So we are in part two of this series that we're calling Thresholds, where we are exploring these transitional periods, these transitional stages in our life, where we move from one state into the next state uh, of life. Now, I remember a period of time when my wife and I, Rebecca, experienced like uh, a dozen transitional stages all within about an 18-month period. Um, In this 18 months, Rebecca and I got married. Um, She got pregnant shortly shortly after the marriage. Um, I graduated from law school. Uh, Rebecca got in a bad car accident and, and actually totaled the car. Um, and didn't get hurt, thank God, and we got a new car, we moved across country, we left our family, I took the bar exam, we both started new jobs, we bought a house, and we had a baby. So it was kind of a busy time in our life. It was an 18-month period of just transition after transition after transition after transition. And last week, as I was preaching uh, part one of this sermon, so those of you that were not here last week, you've got to go on our website because this is the second half of a sermon. Normally, I just preach really, really long. Last week, I just divided it in half, and I preached the first half last week and the second half this week. Um, but, but when we think about transitions, and when I was preaching about transitional periods and threshold periods in life, uh, last week I was looking out and just noticing and thinking about all of the transitions that everybody in our church family are going through. I mean, everybody is going through some kind of transition, or they just went through one, or they're just coming on the other, out on the other side of one. And so what I did today is just make a list of possible transition periods that you might be experiencing. So take a look at this list. See if any of these relate to you. If you've experienced any of them, perhaps in the last year or so, or you're likely to experience them in the next year or so, they are a new relationship, a breakup, engagement, marriage, pregnancy, birth of a child, adoption, foster child, empty nest, retirement, marital separation, divorce, personal diagnosis, diagnosis of someone you love, death of someone you love, new school, graduation, new job, job loss, career change, relocation, start diet, stop diet bankruptcy or win the lottery. Um, Anybody experience any of those things within the last year or likely to experience them within the next year, right? Actually, a large percentage of us um, have, have experienced at least one, if not more of those things, or we're about to. And if you haven't in the last year or you're not about to in the next year, believe me, you will. You're going to experience some of these transitions. Just by a show of hands, was the lottery anybody, did anybody win the lottery? Was that... Virginia? Okay, good. Because I, okay, good. Like a lot? Um, okay, good. Because I'm actually, if anybody did, I was going to preach a, a, a sermon on tithing next week. So we'll <laughs> just come back for that and, and we'll be good. Um, we all experience transitions in life. And the, the challenge with transitions, the trouble with transitions, with threshold periods, where you're moving from one stage of life to the next, is that they're stressful. They, they cause anxiety. They're frightening. They're confusing, right? Because you don't know what's coming next. We're all either entering, experiencing, or exiting a threshold. All of us. And when you're experiencing these threshold periods, you don't know what to expect. When you're going through it, you can be disoriented. You can be perplexed. You can be troubled by what's going on in your life. I probably had 10 people talk to me between last week and this week, and actually a couple people on the way out of service this morning, and say, I felt like you were preaching directly to me because I'm going through a threshold experience right now. 
and I'm nervous, I'm worried, I'm anxious about what's going to happen because I don't know what it's going to look like on the other side of that threshold experience. Uh, psychologists have actually amassed a list of uh, major life transitions, and then they've given them a numerical value telling us exactly how stressful each and every one of these instances are in our life. And so these are the top 10 most stressful life transitions. Death of a spouse is the most about the most stressful thing that you can experience. Divorce, incredibly stressful. Marital separation, imprisonment, obviously stressful. We wouldn't want to have that happen. Death of a close family member, personal injury or illness. Now, the, the next one actually surprised me. Getting married is like, is like, is like pretty stressful, apparently. Um, wait, we're getting an applause on that. You should not. Don't applaud. Um, um, so <laughs> I just noticed that like right after like getting hit by a train, you know, three points down is, you know, marriage. So I, but, but it's, it's, I think that's when you get married. I don't think they're saying it's 50% stressful your whole marriage. If it is, call us and we have counseling and we have stuff we can work with. Um, dismissal from work, marital reconciliation, retirement. I mean, moving through transitional periods is just stressful. It's incredibly stressful. And I know that a lot of you are facing these challenges right now. I know that a lot of you are getting ready to face them, and a lot of you have just faced them. And so I want to, before I dive into the meat of this sermon, I just want to give you some encouragement. I was reading the scripture this week, and Philippians 4 stuck out to me. And the scripture says this. It says, he who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus what that should tell you, what that should signal to you is that, number one, you're not alone in your transition. You're not alone in the transition that you're experiencing. And number two, you're not stuck in it. You're not going to stay in it. If you will just lean on the Lord, seek his wisdom, seek his power, act upon his commands and his will, he will actually see you through, carry you through to completion. You're not stuck in that transition. So the question that we all have to ask ourselves is, how do we transition well? How do we actually transition well? How do we get from stage A, wherever we are here, into the next stage of life without completely losing it, without completely freaking out and completely blowing it? How do we move from one stage to the next? That's the question we're exploring in this series. And last week, we, we opened up on a, on a story about a guy named Peter. Peter, I'm going to give you a little context, and I'm going to, I'm going to load you up with information. You can follow along in your sermon notes, um, but if you, if you missed last week, go listen to it, uh, because I'm, I'm just going to kind of recap it really quick for you. Um, Peter was a guy who grew up in, in and around um, Jerusalem as a young guy. Uh, when he was a young man. And as we know, Israel at that time in the first century was governed by Rome. So there was an outside foreign oppressive force everywhere you turned. If Peter was a little kid, went to the market, there's a Roman soldier standing there with a spear and a shield and a sword, making sure that he did everything the right way and that if he didn't, he could be arrested, he could be thrown in jail. It, it, when they went to the temple, there are Roman guards standing there. If you go to a friend's house, you gotta walk past Roman guards, right? And these aren't your people. These are people from another country. They don't speak your language. 
language, they're here guarding over you. This is an oppressive external force that you're, that you're you know, under, right? So they're around you, and, and there's always a threat of violence. There's always a threat of imprisonment. There's even the threat of death if you break any of their laws. So what Peter and the first century Jews did in order to maintain their own sense of ethnic and racial and religious identity is that they withdrew from these Roman Gentiles, from these non-Jewish people. So that was their response. They said, look, we don't, we just, the way we're going to maintain our integrity and our culture and our identity is we're not going to be around those people. We're not going to eat like them. We're not going to talk like them. We're not going to hang out with them. We're not going to invite them to our house. We're not going to go to their house. We're not going to wear the same clothes as them. We're not going to go to the same schools as them. We're not going to learn their language. We're not going to teach them our language. We are going to isolate ourselves from this group of people that have come into our country and, and are oppressing us, right? So that's how Peter grew up. Not just Peter, but everybody in the first century. All the Jews in that area in the first century, that's what they did. They withdrew from the Romans, from the non-Jews, right? But then Peter starts following Jesus. And Jesus has this crazy message because his message is, hey, my, my, my message is for everyone. The thing that I have to teach is universal. The thing that I want to share is not just for us, it's for everybody, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. I want everybody to become what I am teaching you to become. So Peter, after Jesus ascends, is stuck in this threshold in life. He's grown up all his life maintaining this you know, distance from non-Jewish people, right? Now, Jesus has ascended, and before he ascended, he commissioned Peter and said, Peter, I want you to go and preach my gospel to Jerusalem, and, and then into Judea, then into Samaria, and then into the uttermost parts of the, of the earth. I'm commissioning you to do this. So Peter is stuck. He's lived his life this way, all his life, and yet Jesus said, I want you to become this. I want you to be something different than you were. I want you to move through this threshold and become a totally different person. Take on a new identity. Reach out to people that you would never, ever reach out to. And so last week, we, we found Peter as he was praying in the midst of this kind of the beginning of this transition that he was going through, he didn't know what to do. He started praying. And um, the very first thing that he experienced is he moved from what we call dependability to disorientation. Okay, he started praying. He was up on the roof of a house, a flat roof of a house. He's praying. He sees this vision. We, we looked at this at Acts chapter 10 last week. He sees this crazy vision. And in this vision, this like, sh- this sail, this like sheet comes down out of heaven and it's got all these different animals on it. Animals that Jews are allowed to eat, animals that Jews are not allowed to eat. And these animals should not be together, right? In Peter's mind, he's like looking at this going, this is crazy, right? For, for an Orthodox Jew in the first century, Lamb chops, those are okay. Pork chops, not on the menu, okay? You know, fish sticks on the menu, shrimp scampi, not on the menu. And here in this vision, all this stuff is together. And so Peter moves from, you know, everything was normal, everything was predictable, everything was dependable, to like totally disoriented. God, what does this vision mean? Why are you putting all these weird things together? And what are you trying to communicate to me? So when you enter into a transitional stage in your life, and some of you are in it now, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, it's disorienting. It's perplexing. It can be confusing. You're not always certain like which way to go. When I talk to people or counsel with people, whether it's the loss of a loved one, or maybe they're falling in love for the first time, or maybe they just lost a job, or they're getting ready to start a new job, and it's disorienting, it's perplexing, I'm not sure which way to go, I'm not sure you know, how to move through this. That's the very first stage of a transition. You're going to move from dependability to disorientation, right? 
That's what Peter did. Then we read on in the next uh, scripture that God didn't leave Peter in that state and he will not leave you in that state. He began to give Peter direction. In the, in the, in the vision, God spoke to Peter and said, listen, there are three men that are coming to talk to you and I want you to go talk to them. They're gonna help you through this transition that I'm carrying you through, right? So he moved from disorientation to direction. God spoke into his heart and said, here's what I want you to do. Some of you today are in that stage of the transition in your life. You've moved beyond the total disorientation. You have a sense of what God is calling you to. You, your conscience is leading you one way. God is speaking into your heart. You know what you should do, but sometimes it's hard to decide to do what you know you're supposed to do, right? At least for me, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I know the direction I'm supposed to go, but it's hard to actually decide to do it. So that's the next stage. Peter goes from decision he goes from direction to decision. In the, in the scripture that we read, he goes downstairs of his house, goes out to the gate, and there are three men standing there. And these three men say to him, hey, Peter, we want you to come and preach the gospel to us. But here's the hook. Here's the catch. These three men work for a Roman centurion, a guy named Cornelius. Peter's never interacted with non-Jews before. He's never gone to somebody's house He's never preached the gospel to Gentiles. That's just something he wouldn't do. That's something, much less a Roman. It was, it was, and much less, not only a Roman, a Roman soldier, a centurion. You remember who oversaw the death, the crucifixion and the scourging of Jesus? It was a Roman centurion. It was Roman soldiers that scourged him and crucified him. So Peter's looking at these guys going, look, you just killed my, my, my master like not long ago. And first of all, I don't even hang around with you people. I don't even talk with you people. I don't, I'm not, I don't interact with you people. And now you're calling me into, you want me to come and preach to you? So this is the dilemma that he's facing. He's moving from, from direction to decision. Am I going to do it? Last week we learned that he actually said, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go and find out what this is all about. And that's where we're gonna pick up the story today. Did you follow that story all the way through? Everybody tracking? Everybody good? You know where we're at? Okay, good. All right, Acts chapter 10. This is where we pick up the story. It says, the next day, Peter started out with them and some of the other Jewish believers went along. So Peter, these three Gentiles and some other Jewish believers decide they're all gonna go together. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius, the Roman centurion, was expecting them. And Cornelius had called together his relatives and his close friends. So Cornelius got a whole bunch of people over the house because he had asked this, you know, this follower of Jesus to come and preach. Now, this is a big moment. The scripture says that Peter went inside. Now, Peter had never gone into a Gentile's house before that we know of. He just had never crossed that threshold. He had never walked into somebody's house of a Gentile. And yet, here he is. He's making the decision to do it, and he walks in. Uh, and, and then I, this is what I love about Peter. He's not like, tact is not his, his spiritual gift. He's just like very blunt. And he says this. He says, um, you guys are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. So not only associate with, visit. He's saying like, I'm not supposed to be here. You guys know that, right? Like, I'm not supposed to be hanging out with you guys. I'm here, but I'm not supposed to be. And I don't particularly want to be, by the way, right? And here we are. I'm in your house. I'm not supposed to be here. And so basically, what do you want? And then this is what they say to him. They say, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. They said, well, we, we believe that God has something to tell us through you. 
We know that we're not supposed to be hanging out together. We know that we're not supposed to be interacting. We know that, you know, the Jews and Gentiles don't associate, affiliate, visit with, or whatever. We know that. But we believe that God has something for you to tell us. We keep hearing about your, your, your master who supposedly rose from the dead, and, and we want to we hear about that, right? So Peter's faced with this moment. He had already made the decision to go and check it out, but it's, a, it's, another, it's another step to actually preach, to these people. He's never preached to a Gentile. He's never shared the gospel with a Gentile. It's hard for him to even conceive of them actually receiving that. Uh, and, and, and so this is a big moment for him. But the scripture says that Peter then began to speak. Peter opened up and began to share the gospel. In other words, he moved from decision to action. How many of you know that making a decision is not the same as actually doing the thing that you decided to do? Those are two separate stages, right? Those are two separate steps. I, I, um, about six years ago, I told my wife, we were in the backyard, and we had a two-year-old boy at that time, and, and Rebecca was pregnant with our second child, and we um, were in the backyard, and I'm kind of looking around the backyard at our house, and I go, you know, babe, um, I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to build a fort back here. You know, um, I, I think our little boy would like a fort and, and, you know, and then we're having another boy and boys like forts. I think I'll build a fort. She says, you know, that's a great idea, Brent. I think that, I mean, that'd be great. Kids would love that. You should build a fort. I said, I, I will. I'll do that. I made a decision. I'm going to build a fort, right? But, you know, things, you know how things are, right? A few weeks go by, hadn't quite gotten to it. A couple months go by, hadn't quite got there. We had another baby and, you know, kind of got busy and, and, and got maybe distracted and, you know, things came up, circumstances weren't perfect. And then, you know, one month led to the next and then a year, a couple of years, and then we had another baby and then, you know, there, other stuff happened and things, you know how things are, right? Are you with me on this? And then another baby and, you know, so like things just kept going, right? I had made a decision, but I hadn't acted on it. I mean, literally every few months I'd go, you know, babe, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a fort in our backyard. And literally every few months she would go, that's a great idea. I think you should do that. You ought to build that fort. And so that was our, I, I had made the decision, but I had made a decision six years ago, right? Well, about two or three months ago, one Sunday afternoon, day just like today, beautiful outside, I, uh, I'm in the car with the family and we are leaving church and it's just so nice. I go, you know what I think I'm going to do, babe? I think I'm going to build a fort in our backyard. She says, Brent, you're not going to build a fort in our backyard. And she'd never said that before. She'd always said, oh yeah, that's great. I think that's a great idea. This time she says, no, you're not going to build a fort in our backyard. You've been saying you're going to build a fort in our backyard for six years, but you're not going to build a fort. She said, our boys, listen to what she said. Our boys will be in college by the time you build a fort in the backyard. Sometimes wives have a way of motivating you from decision to action. You ever notice? Uh, well, so I said, um, you know, when, when she said that to me, I, you know, I took a moment and I was trying to think, how do I respond to that? And how I responded was I said, oh, really? Um, and she said, yeah, really. I mean, you know, it was no big deal for her, you know. And uh, I said, okay, okay, well, we'll just see about that, won't we? So we drive home. This is all on the ride home. We get home, dropped everybody off at the house. I go upstairs, change in my work clothes, get back in the car, drive over to Home Depot, got some lumber, came home, and by God's grace, folks, ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to take a look at the backyard of our, come on, somebody. 
I mean, that's a fort right there. I mean, that is a real fort. None of those kids are in college, okay? (laughs) I mean, it might have taken me six years, but eventually I moved from decision to action, right? Some of you today are, are in, yeah, come on, all right. Thank you. We'll be offering tours uh, after. <laughs> I like August. I mean, Augustine's got the sword. He's just like, don't you even think about coming in my floor. Um, you know, some of you are in that, in that stage of the transition. You know, you, you've gone from the disorientation, what in the world's going on. You're starting to get some direction. Maybe you've even decided, okay, I, I know the direction that I'm going. I've made a decision. I'm going to head this way. And God is saying, hey, I want you to go ahead and take that step. I want you to go ahead and take that next step. Take action on the decision that you've made based on the direction that I gave you. I want you to go ahead and step into it. And I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to see you through to completion. I'm going to walk you through it, but I need you to go ahead and take that step. Maybe for you, it's, you know, getting a new job or going back to school or asking that question that you need to ask or forgiving that person that you need to forgive or getting involved in a church or you know, finding a place to serve or whatever that is for you where God is calling you to move forward in your life and you need to go ahead and take that step. Jesus' brother, James, has a great, I love this scripture, James has a really great sort of analogy for the difference between like deciding and doing. And he says in James chapter uh, four, I think, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. He says, do what it says. Don't just, don't just read it, know it, decide, hey, this is what I am, but actually do it, take action. He says, anybody who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like somebody who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and then immediately forgets what he looks like. So it's, it's like, you know, what I love about this is how many of you looked in a mirror this morning? Anybody? Okay, if you didn't, we've got a couple mirrors, right, in the bathroom, so you need to check. No, um, you know, every morning, that's one of the first things you do. You go and you look in the mirror. And then you go, oh, there's some stuff that needs to be done before I leave this mirror, right? I need to get this hair under control, you know? I need to brush these teeth. I need to shave a little bit, right? I need to get, you know, the tweezers and get that unibrow, kind of get a little divide going there, you know? Like, there's some stuff I need to do, right? He's saying it it would be like you walking in, looking in the mirror, seeing the stuff that needs to be done and going, okay, I'm going to work, you know? And you just go to work, like all that. He's saying, look, that's what it's like. So go ahead and take that step. Whatever it is for you, if you've been waiting for just the right circumstance, if you've been delayed, if you've been distracted, God is saying, look, go ahead and take that next step. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bring you through to completion, right? That's what Peter did. He went ahead and preached. And this, this, is, what, this is what happened when he preached. So he preached, and listen, he preached, he preached the gospel. He said, Jesus lived, died, was buried, and rose again, and he's inviting you to be a part of the kingdom of the movement that he is establishing on the earth. And it's a movement that culminates with the lion laying down with the lamb. It culminates with a sword being beat into a plowshare. plowshare. 
It culminates with a spear being turned into a pruning hook. It culminates with people from every walk of life, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every language, coming together, loving one another, serving one another, creating a a totally new kingdom on the earth where he is the Lord and suffering is wiped out and war is wiped out and you are invited to be a part of that kingdom. That's what he preached on that day. And these Gentiles are like blown away by this sermon. And look what happened to them. It says, while Peter was preaching, while he was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Now, this is a hugely important moment in the story because up to this point, we've been watching Peter's transition. We've been watching God take him from one stage to the next stage to the next stage to the next stage, right? But here's what happens in this stage. We move from action to results. When Peter took the action that God called him to take, people began began to come to Christ that had never come to Christ before. He was not only transformed himself, but he became an agent of transformation in the lives of other people. When you allow God to walk you through these transitional times in your life, it's not just for you. It's not just for you. It's partly for you, but you're not the end result. The end result is that you touch other people with the transition that he brought you through. You become an agent of transformation in the lives of others. I was actually talking with some pastors the other day about the mission of the church and why we're here and what the point of the church is. And I said, listen, the the point of the church is never about us. It's never about the individual. Jesus said the main two commandments are this, love God and love your neighbor, right? So you are just the middle man between God and your neighbor. Your, your, your faith in Christ never stops here. It's never just love God and God loves you and you love God and God loves you, right? No, love God and take that love and transmit that out to somebody else. You are just the middle man in this transaction, right? You and I, that's our role. And Peter is saying, look, I'm going to take action. And what happened is these people came to Christ. This was, this was, I cannot overstate the importance of this moment. The Christian faith at that time had been just among about a relatively small group of people, around 10,000 Jewish people spread around the world. But suddenly it, it catalyzed into a world sweeping movement that literally impacted billions of people over the last two millennia, including every single person in this auditorium. This transition that he went through, this moment of decision, this action that he took resulted in you and me being at the Tivoli Theater today reading the word of God. You see, when you allow God to bring you through these transitions, it doesn't only change you, it changes the world around you. It changes the lives around you. The people that were with him were so surprised, the other believers, the other Jewish believers. The scripture says this, the circumcised believers, the Jews that were with him, uh, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on, even on Gentiles, especially on these Romans. Can you believe this? Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This sparks a completely, a complete major transformation in the world because we move from the very last stage as we move from results to an entirely new reality. We move from results to an entirely new reality. 
the reality of Gentiles, the, the reality of Europeans and Asians and Africans and, and people on ev- from every tribe, every tongue, everywhere around the world starting to come together in the love of Christ, starting to experience his peace, starting to experience the unity and the brotherhood of Christ. These people who were enemies and adversaries just a little while ago became brothers and sisters in Christ, an entirely new reality. About three or four weeks ago, and I'm going to close with this, about three or four weeks ago, we, uh, I got an email from a professor of sociology of religion at the University of Virginia. This is a guy, his name's Dr. Tony Lynn, and he studies, he studies religious movements. He studies, you know, churches and religious phenomenon. And he emailed me, and then we talked, and basically he said, listen, I am hearing about this, this church in University City, where people from every walk of life, every tribe, every tongue, every nation are coming together, people with, you know, PhDs and GEDs, we're talking people from every race and ethnicity are coming together, old and young, you know, black and white and brown and Asian and everybody coming together and not just like being in the same place. I mean, it's one thing just to be in the same place. But it's another thing to be in each other's lives and like serve each other and, and, and love each other and take care of each other and break bread together and spend time in each other's homes. That's a different thing. That's a new reality. That's a new reality. That's not something that's happening all over the world. Turn on the television. You see, that's not happening. But it is happening here. It's happening here. A brand new reality is emerging because a group of people are saying, I want to pursue the direction that I've been given from the scripture that I've been reading, and I want to take action on that, and I want to help develop some results and and, and be a part of a brand new reality. You see, I believe that just like Peter, we are just an extension of him. We are just an extension of those early Christians, right? And I believe that just like him, we're a part of that movement where the lion lays down with the lamb where the sword is beat into a a, a plowshare, where the spear is beaten into a pruning hook, where every tribe, every tongue, every nation comes together to love one another, to serve one another, to take care of each other, and to glorify God. That's what we are a part of. That's what we're here for. So I lost the thread. I was talking about this sociology professor and got so excited. Anyway, he's coming. He's coming in June because he wants to study us. He says a lot of my peers are you know, studying why there's racial animus and, 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 you know, and racial tension. I want to study a community of people where there's harmony and there's love and people are, you know, seeking to grow together and seeking to love one another. I said, come on, man. So he's going to come. He's going to come in June. He's just going to, he's just going to take notes, I guess. I don't know. He's just going to watch. He's going to talk. He's going to listen and learn and, 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 and see what this is all about, right? Because that's what happens when the gospel changes you. That's what happens when you become a part of allowing the gospel to penetrate the nitty-gritty, painful, uncomfortable parts of your life, whatever those are. When you, when you invite him into those, he transforms you from the inside out. So wherever you are in that transition, your transition today from that list, or maybe it wasn't on that list, but it's something that you're going through. If you're in the state of disorientation and you're just like going, God, I don't even know what to do. I'm, I'm totally confused. I'm lost. I don't know what direction to, to go, what step to take. Pray for his wisdom. Say, God, I need your wisdom. I need you to give me some direction. 
Jesus said, knock and it will be open. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Push into that today. I pray that you will pray for direction from God. Maybe if you've got direction, but you haven't made the decision, today is that opportunity. Make the decision to do the thing that God is calling you to do. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. He's with you. He'll be with you the whole way. He doesn't leave you alone in the midst of these transitions. He's there. Go ahead and make the decision. Or maybe you're like me. You made the decision, but it's been six years since you made that decision and you need to take action today. Let God empower you to take the action that you need to take. Say, God, I just need you to give me some strength to take the step that you're calling me to take. I talked to a young woman on the way out of church this morning. She said, last week, I was torn about what to do. I sat in this sermon and I, Monday I went and I accepted the job that had been offered to me. She said, I went ahead and took the step and I believe God is leading me. This is just, you know, just on my way, uh, just right before I came in here, the second service. If you need to take that step today, whatever that is in your life, I don't know what it is. You know what it is, but take that step. Go ahead and take that step. Let God lead you because here's what he promises. He promises that the results will not only be transformative for you, but they will create an entirely new reality. They will change your world. They will change your perspective. They will change your life if you allow God to lead you. And not only you individually, but think about this. We, we as a community, we as a church family, we as a a body of believers, When we all do this, when we all allow God to transition us from one stage to the next stage to the next stage to take the action that he's calling us to take, there's absolutely nothing that he cannot do through us and in us and to us if we will actively seek him out and actively take those steps together as a church community, as a family. We will be that emerging reality of peace and unity and love in the world that everybody else goes, this is amazing. I don't understand how this is happening. That's us. We can create that reality by his strength, by his power, by the power of his Holy Spirit. That's what he's called every Christian to do, not just us in this auditorium, every believer in every congregation and on every corner of St. Louis today. Take that step because the good work that he began inside of you, he is faithful. He is faithful to carry it on through completion until the day of Jesus Christ's return. Let me pray for you. Father, we ask that you give us strength today, Lord, to take the steps that you're calling each and every one of us to take. I pray for everybody that's in the midst of a transition I pray right now for those who are at the beginning of a transition, a threshold period in their life, and they're confused, and they're disoriented, they're frightened, they're anxious, they're uncertain, and they need you. They need your help. They need your hope. They need your peace that passes all understanding. Settle your peace upon their heart today. I pray for those, God, who have received direction. God, that you would Give them strength to make a decision. Give them the strength to to not retreat into a prior stage, but to move forward into what you have for them. To make the decisions that they need to make. To cut off some things that they need to cut off. To remove some distractions that need to be removed so that they can take that next step. 
Father, I pray for those who have made the decision that you would empower them to take action today. Take action. Make the call they need to make. Forgive the person they need to forgive. Accept the job, apply for the job, enroll in the school, start the business, whatever it is. Help them to take that step. Give them the power, Lord, today to take that step, God, to bring glory and honor to you. Lord, that they might be a part of, that we might be a part of, creating this new reality that you prophesied so beautifully about all through scripture, this new reality of peace and unity and love where every tribe, tongue, and nation comes together in love under your leadership and serves you and honors you and worships you and brings you honor, glory, and praise. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.